When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you ever see a successful woman on your feed or in a magazine and think, wow, it must be nice to have it so easy? Well, think again. Behind that glossy cover or smiling face is a ton of hard work, countless failures, and endless learning experiences. I'm Rebecca Minkoff, and I'm here to tell you that success isn't a walk in the park. It takes grit, resilience, and a willingness to take risks. That's why I created Superwoman, a podcast that peels back the varnish and gets into the nitty gritty of what it takes to make it as a woman in today's world. From luminaries and game changers to women you've never heard of but should, this podcast is here to inspire you to take your next leap, no matter how daunting it may seem. We'll explore the sacrifices these women have made, the highs and lows they've experienced, and the lessons they've learned along the way. So if you're ready to be inspired and learn from some of the most successful women out there, join me on Superwomen. Together, we'll uncover the stories behind the successes and prove that with hard work, determination, and a little bit of luck, anything is possible. Ani, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been such a great honor to be here. Yeah. So my interest was piqued when we were connected because you, for a long time, were part and parcel of the magical skincare Augustinus Bader. Yes. Which I'm obsessed with. So let's go to that era. Were you always interested in skin? How did you find AB and tell me that story? Yeah. 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 For sure. So it's interesting because my career has sort of taken two different routes. Um, I actually started in investment banking before school, business school, and then also after business school, I was in banking. And it was like one of those moments at like four o'clock in the morning where you just have this epiphany of like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) And, you know, like lucky enough, it was sort of early on in my career where I was like, you know what, like this, I don't care what's involved as far as like wealth creation or whatever. I was like, I just, this isn't for me. Right. I love the discipline that it taught me. I loved sort of this ability to just like drive through and just do anything and conquer anything kind of mentality, but it just wasn't fulfilling me. It wasn't like feeding my soul. And I knew there was something else. Um, and I've always been into fashion and beauty But to be honest, like I never even knew you can make a career out of it. Like I grew up in a family, like I'm I'm Armenian. So you're either a doctor or a lawyer. I mean, I kept telling my parents for the longest time, I'm an investment banker. They'll be like, well, don't they have ATM jobs in Glendale? And I'm like, not the same thing. (laughs) 
So I just never had that exposure of like, what is out there from a career perspective. Right. And then having worked in banking, you know, I covered retail and consumer industries and, you know, there was the beauty industry and it was strong and it had created significant leadership positions like through the ranks. And you kind of had these, you know, people that you aspired to be. And I was like, you know what? I think there's something here. Right. And I actually, around that time, I got a call from a mentor and she was working at Estee Lauder Companies. And she said, we're rebuilding our internal M&A group. And it was sort of uh, being spearheaded by Mr. Uh, Lauder, Mr. Leonard Lauder. And they were rebuilding it. And she asked if, you know, I wanted to come on board. And I went through the process and I could tell you this was such a huge turning point in my career because I really discovered two things that I really didn't hold to be true. One, having worked in banking, I never really understood what true leadership was like. I never felt it. I never really saw it. So like, I didn't have this mental model of like, what does leadership and what does a true team look like? And I think the second piece was, again, having been in banking, I think typically you discredit sort of this marketing spend and this sort of brand building exercise, right? I think you're like, okay, well, what is the true essence of the company and what, how do you value it? And typically marketing or like the, the branding piece tends to get a little bit discounted. But when I got to Estee Lauder companies, I realized at the core of what it actually takes to build a brand. And I think it's sort of when you think of like, you know, examples like Nike and you look at Apple, you're like, well, no kidding. Like, of course, branding makes. But to understand to the foundation level of what that looks like, what the organizational structure looks like, what decision making looks like, what talent you bring in, like it is so core within the company. And so that was another sort of awakening for me. So that's when I was like, this is where I want to be. Like the leadership, the branding, like the creative energy, like there was something about it that just fueled my soul that I was like, I want to be here. And it was literally, I guess, kind of goes back to the leadership that I was exposed to while I was there. I mean, I just did these incredible opportunities. I was part of the, it was called the Investment Decision Committee, where you're literally in front of the executive team of Estee Lauder companies and you're making decisions on what, you know, companies to buy. And you have the greats of the great in the room sort of, you know, arguing against you on the strategic decisions of why I should buy one company versus the other. It just was such an incredible experience. And then I just sort of got the bug and I was like, you know what? I want to go and work at a brand and I want to feel what that's like. And I got this opportunity to go work at uh, Bobby Brown Cosmetics and got to work with Bobby Brown herself and just like the incredible team that was there. And, you know, I was like, this is it. This is like, I found sort of, my my jam here and this is kind of where I want to be. And then from there it just sort of became its own thing. I went from, you know, Bobby Brown, I worked on Tom Ford and really establishing that brand and with the launch of their cosmetics line and their skincare line. I mean it was just such an incredible time. It was such an incredible time. And then even afterwards, you know, having 
uh, moved to Stella and Dot to launch Ever, which was the consumables part of the business. And then the, you know, I call it, it's funny because even in my in my newsletter, I wrote this uh, this piece a couple of weeks ago where I talk about like serendipity and luck and what does that really mean? And you know, I certainly believe in elements of luck, but I think you sort of maximize your opportunity to sort of improve your luck, right? And so like that depends on the networks that you sort of cultivate. That depends on the connections that you make. And so when... I was in New York. One of my friends, she's like, you know, there's this person I need you to meet. He is in New York for like a hot second. He's launched this brand called Augustina Spotter. I think, you know, you guys should connect because I think there's, you know, I think A, you love the brand and B, I think like he has a lot of sort of interesting elements that he's trying to deploy in the U.S. that could be of interest. And literally before his flight, I met him. We had like an hour and a half chat. And then that's kind of how the journey started in Augustinus. It was kind of, you know, I call it, you know, serendipitous, but at the same time, it was just so almost like natural. And that's kind of how the journey of Augustina started. And I've been there like working with Charles and I've been doing some other stuff on the side as well, but it's just been an incredible, incredible journey watching that brand sort of explode into, into what it is. I mean, it's, it truly is a spectacular, it's like one of those things that it's just really does when you use it and when you sort of commit to it, you do see tremendous results. And that's kind of been the core of what I've kind of gravitated towards my biggest sort of filter of um, taking on projects is I have to be a committed customer. If I can't see myself using the products or if I can't see myself using like wearing the product, yeah, it's just not for me. I love that integrity that you have with that because so many people will just take yeah. take a gig for the money and are brilliant brand strategists and creatives. And then, you know, yeah, they, they would never use the product. Exactly. So I, I love that. Exactly. So what do you attribute, you leave the world of investment banking and I'm going to make a plug for investment banking, almost one for one, every single woman I've had on this podcast who was previously an investment banker yeah. is crazy successful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell all founders, like go be an investment banker first. Yeah. And then literally anything you do after that will be a surefire success. Yeah. So you leave that world, you are at Estee Lauder, then you have a world of opportunity. You had Tom Ford, you have, you know, these amazing clients. Now you have Augustina Spotter. Clearly you're doing something to maintain that success. And what, maybe it's your secret sauce, but what do you attribute within you that's yeah. led to that success with, with all those different career points? You know, it's interesting. Cause I mean, there's definitely this sort of passion that I have to, and I don't know where it comes from. Maybe it's my sort of immigrant mentality, you know, um, where is this sort of innate passion for creating something and doing something professionally that is meaningful. And I think for many years, it's sort of been this journey of discipline, consistency, persistence, 
And a lot of that has to do also with the way sort of my mind is sort of wired, right? I tend to be very rational. I have a very specific like mental model that I take my decision, you know, it's very methodical, like my decision-making process. And I think for the first half of my life, it's been this, call it this thinking journey, right? Where I've sort of built my career. I've sort of done what I wanted to do and sort of moved across, you know, the, the success ladder. I think where the journey sort of for me took an interesting, for lack of a better word, turn was when I had to switch my journey from a thinking to a feeling journey. And that is where it's very much like sort of like a head to heart kind of a journey, right? And I think when you think you think about sort of joy and where you are in your life, right? And Because I, I think success is sort of like professional, right? I think there's a professional piece that is you sort of achieve success through what you want to do. And so you sort of envision yourself to be where you want to be. And so you sort of, it's a very sort of rational step of like how you're going to get there, right? There's specific trainings, there's specific discipline, connections, networks, mentorships, which I think are very, very heavily sort of involved in that as well. But I think the other piece is the personal piece. And I think the personal piece is what really sort of brings it all together and sort of creating this life that you feel fulfilled, where it's full of more emotions and filled with joy. And I think sort of this the second part of my journey, if you will, has sort of been on that, on that transition. Cause I think, like I said, I think the the success part of the professional side is not to say that there is this sort of recipe, but there's certainly this toolkit in which you can sort of follow, particularly as it pertains to finding the right mentors and particularly being in the right networks. But I think the hard work really just sort of becomes on the feeling of the emotions and what all, and the appreciation for what you've done um, that kind of makes it all come together and makes it a sort of a fulfilling place, I guess, in, in your life. At 41. You had an epiphany. Yes. Was that when you went from head to heart? Yes. And said, okay, I got to go. I got to go. Okay. Absolutely. So tell me about that moment. What preempted it? And then how did you have the balls, uh, for lack of a better word, to just say, I'm leaving it. I'm going off on my own. So I think the epiphany sort of started earlier. I think it was similar to the feeling that I had when I was in banking, where I was just like, to my core. I knew where I was, wasn't where I needed to be. And I had the same sort of feeling when I turned, I mean, it was, you know, I think it was just generally approaching 40. I started to have these feelings and I had them consistently enough where I was like, you know what, I got to start leaning into this. This is telling me information that I really need to listen to. And that's, when I started to do a lot of inner work, you know, I got married. I, I kind of did what you're supposed to do, right? It's like you have married, you get married, 
you have kids, you, you know, you sort of move from city to city and just doing everything that it's kind of the known factor of what you need to do. And, you know, for me, I reached a point where I started to question it because I was on autopilot and the thinking and the doing was there, but none of the feeling was there. And I knew that there was something more for me. And, um, and I started to do the work and the work had multiple different elements. It was, you know, professional help for me. It was, and like I said, I was married at the time. So we did, you know, couple counseling. It was reading a lot of books. It was, you know, taking on different methods of, you know, meditation and just kind of really listening to other women's journeys and stories to really understand like how to essentially take the next step. And after doing some work together with, you know, my now ex-husband, it just became apparent that, you know, it's just time to go. And, you know, we sort of realize that we are amazing co-parents, but just not necessarily, you know, great married couple. And I think we both accepted that and we sort of set on our journey post that to create this space for the family that exists in a different way. Because I think oftentimes, you know, you don't necessarily question some of the beliefs, like whether it's like societal beliefs, whether it's community beliefs or whatever it is, you kind of go through the process because that's just what it is that you do. And I think really looking at our relationship and saying, okay, well, we can end our marriage story in sort of this happy ending, but is there a divorce story that we can ultimately write that really looks at a family in a different way. And that, you know, that's kind of what we started to build after the the marriage was over. We actually wrote our own sort of, we didn't, you know, get any lawyers involved. We wrote our own divorce essentially. And he's remarried. And what a difference that makes if people yeah. approach it as thoughtfully as you did, right? I mean, there's the, you know, I think anyone fears for what happens to the child in this. And so I think if you are able to do it as the way you did it, I mean, what an amazing outcome if that's what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, they, they say like, you know, bankruptcy is caused by, you know, whether it's a medical issue or like a, you know, divorce. And I think there is substantial financial destruction that can happen and emotional, I mean, obviously emotional destruction, And not to say that it's rainbows and like sunshine, like it's hard, regardless of what path you take, it is hard. But I think it's sort of keeping it in this lens of, you know, just the kids sort of at the center of every decision. And also like, you know, us as the center of attention, because at the end of the day, like we have created this life, right? And so and, and I don't regret any of it. I mean, I've learned so much through the marriage and it's learnings that I hope to take to, you know, the next phase in my life. But I think that's where it's just sort of coming in with a different perspective and a different approach. Like, honestly, you know, it really was just having the best interest of, of the kids at heart. And now 
like I said, like he's remarried and we all live in Paris and like, and we co-parent in Paris. You do? Yeah. Yeah. So did you all decide to move to Paris? Yeah. Uh, who, who was like, I'd like to go. <laughs> You're like, I'm in. Funny story, actually. He, I woke up one day to an email and he's not like the type to like send me emails at like 7am, but it was one of those where he, he wrote a email at 7am and the title of it was called an unexpected idea. And it was 2021. And it was like January, February, where the kids, we were living in San Francisco at the time. And there was, again, some conversation of the shutdown and the kids not going back to school. And he was just like, what do you think of just moving to Paris for a year? Let's just take a break. And he's like, you've always wanted to go. You always wanted to live there. And like, let's just do it. It'll be a great opportunity for the kids. And let's see like, if we can make it all work. And you know, I think my old self would have gone through this like massive like decision making process of which every point would have said bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. But I didn't care. I was like, I'm in. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to make this work, but like I'm in if you're in. Wow. And how long from idea to move did that take you guys? And then what made you decide to stay? Because clearly it's been two years. Yeah. Yeah. So we, it was in February, 2021 and we decided then in February and then I moved August 4th. So yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So just in like a few months we ended up leaving and then, so we've stayed since. And what's been incredible is it just sort of solidifies sort of the family. And again, it kind of goes back to, it's not your traditional family. It's not the way you think of what family should be like. And not to say like, I still suffer the loss of what a traditional family looks like, but it doesn't mean that I can't think of a family in a different way, right? That is still very functional, that is still very loving, that is still thriving for the kids. Right. And we just sort of saw the kids thriving and they picked up, you know, French and it's, you know, kind of seeing my son sort of, he's 13 now, the way he knows Paris, like the back of his hand. And like, he just has this confidence to travel. I mean, we just were like, you know what, let's just, let's just stay until, until we can't. And so that's, that's kind of where we are. So not to get too deep, but it seems like you found both the courage to say no to what wasn't working, but also to say yes to things that are crazy, like moving to Paris, which I want to do, frankly. Yes. So that really, as you said, it began in your 40s and really at 41 when you launched Pure Heart Labs, you got the divorce, you moved to Paris, it all kind of happened all at once. So at any point, did you feel like, all right, so much change has happened so fast? Did the untethering feel good? Did it feel scary? Was it, you know, what what was that? And then do you feel like you've sort of landed in half a path? So it was so scary and it still is scary. I think it's sort of a daily practice. And I think you sort of have to accept that, right? It's this daily practice of waking up and feeling good about yourself, feeling good about the decisions you've made, feeling good about where you are in your life. 
And I think there are days where it is so hard. And one of the things too, when you live abroad, it is like what people don't get, and particularly somewhere like a city like Paris, which by the way, I wrote another newsletter on this called, I think it was like, I'd like to have Paris's publicist as my publicist, because like the perception, the external perception of the city is like, you just question, you're like, am I, am I living in the city that like everybody else sort of like romanticizes about, which I too, am, am that person. But I think it is really committing to the decision and then also doing the things that allow for you to sort of show up in your best sort of version and best self to maximize your joy of where you are, right? And being okay with the decisions that you've made. But for the longest time, I mean, it was, it's like dragging through mud. And then you question, you question, it's like, oh, did I do the right thing? Like, is this like, am I going to screw up the kids for the rest of their lives? Like, is this really going to work? Like, you know, and you start to doubt, Um, but then it kind of all comes back to anchoring yourself of why did I make these decisions? Like, where am I today? Like, am I significant? Like I am truly significantly more happy than I was. Like I can actually feel feelings. I've done enough work to know exactly who I am and what I want. But yeah, I mean, there are days though still that it's just, I have to really look at my like rituals and habits to just get through the day. Cause it's, you know, you, you question it and you, you start to fear, okay, what else, what else is going to drop? What's next? Like, what, there's nothing else to like untether myself from like, what else, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really, really scary. That's why, like, when I say, like, people just do have to do the work internally to really understand who they are. Yeah. And within that process comes what do you really want out of life? Yeah. And then you can reconstruct it. It's like, this is what I want. And so here's how I can reconstruct it to a place where I can have the life that I want. And I do wholeheartedly believe that you can, anybody can. And I think it's just, you know, just doing that self-work and that self-discovery. Yeah. I think for me, you know, I'll write it all down, right? Just so I can visualize it. I can write it down. I can see it and I can cross stuff off. You know, other people do mood boards or vision boards, but I think just, just let yourself go to a space where you can say, you know, what's the big picture And then it takes time to get there. It's not going to happen overnight. You're still working on it. As you said, I'm still working on it. So like, it's a journey. Well, thank you for sharing. And thank you for taking us through that. You know, it's, it's a beautiful story that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say like happy ending, but you know, you really took something and allowed yourself to experience it and, and come to what I see as a beautiful place. So thank you for sharing that. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithms. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Nikoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again, and you will hear from me next week.